Welcome to the Spirited Network Podcast, produced by Big Cash, your favorite podcast. Special guest host, Superintendent Cash, Big Quam. Remember when you said we was done, now you caught up, you can't even run. Said that I'd be no one, now that the time has come, you said that you want me out of your life. Saying I have too much fun, but look how far I've come, just look how far I've, and we gone. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. This is season two. Season two. Hey, we're back. We're back. Spirit of Network uh, podcast is back for season two. We got some old people. We got some new people. Let's start with the old people. Hey, you guys heard in the intro, Big Kwam is back. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Thank you for the <laughs> invite back for season two. I told you the invitation was in the mail. Didn't get lost. So nice, <laughs> nice. Hey, look. And I said we got some new people, too. Did you hear the intro? Did you hear the intro? Did, did you hear that I did. first guest? I did. That's I Superintendent did. Cash. You know who that is? Hey, that's our brother. He's on the show, and uh, I want to welcome him. Hey, welcome, Superintendent hey, thank Cash. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And you, you need to probably put some uh, some that they say some spec on that. Oh, name. man. That, your, <laughs> old, your oldest brother here. So I want to make sure we get that title right. Uh, shit. I thought he was talking about the Superintendent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I'm like, <laughs> what more can I do? We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We won't spoil anything yet. <laughs> Man. man, hey, look now. Let me tell you what an honor it is to have you on the show, man. We're, we're, so you know the premise around this. You've heard an episode or two, and you know we look for the most interesting people. So I was just sitting around one day. I was like, hey, I wonder what Cash is doing. I was, what's he up to? So I hit him up, and uh, he he answered, and I asked him, hey, would you come on the show? He said, yeah, and uh, we set a date, and he's here. And by here, I mean an actual studio. Hey, shout out to Big Quan first. Quan, where are we? Man. And and, and let, let's give a shout out man. and some love to who needs yo, it right now. Yo, so look, man, I, we are in For You Recording studio made in memphis man we are being engineered by my guy kyle kilo kilo, kilo. javello hey, that's, that's a player's name yeah, hey, man, look, kilo man, javello man, man. dude you, you you italian stallion was already taken okay yeah let's so. not do that that's a, <laughs> so. that could get uncomfortable real quick uh <laughs> shout out <laughs> Hey, listen. <laughs> hey, man, look, this is this is amazing. Like, this is the kind of upgrade we're talking about. And look, this is not the only thing we're going to do this season. Uh, we're going to open up the phone lines. Hey, cool. we say it all the time. And I figured if I say it enough, I'll be right one season. Yeah. So <laughs> we're gonna open up. We're gonna open up the phone lines too uh, this season. That's on the uh, on tap. And uh, we got more bourbons to review. That's not going anywhere, For right? Sure. People love it. Sure. Uh, and we're going to get to that pretty early. I think, I, hey, hey, I'm moving Ooh. that up in the show. You know man. that? You know that? I came at the right time. That's man. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I used to have to man, I used to have to be entertaining for 15 to 20 minutes before we got to this part. Well, I didn't get hey, to drink. I, I, and I got so many complaints and people <laughs> salivating and, you know, thirsty, too many people clearing their throats. Like, I got white, the hint. Lips and white. Right, <laughs> right. I, I finally got the hint. I said, okay, I moved the tasting up in the show, okay? But not before we get to know a little bit more about Cassius. So, listen. You spent your pretty much whole life in Memphis to start, right up until the age of what? Uh, I would say leaving out from college about 18. Yeah. So 18, then I went off to college. And um, for my entire career, I've been gone for 31 years now. So, again, it's I haven't had a Tennessee license since uh, I was in high school. So it is, it's great to be back and, again, hanging out with you guys. Man, for sure. Hey, look, so – who you repping while you were here? Like who? What? What? Uh, what school were you repping? So uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. You know, this weekend, of course. Let me just say, I'm a Tennessee fan, and my boys, UT whooped up on LSU today. Man. But also today is my Who's homecoming. My, my homecoming <laughs> uh, school at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, which is a historically black college. Oh. And um, but I, I I I didn't go this year. I'll catch it next year, and I, I really want to go back and hang out with my frat and see some old band members and, and walk down memory lane. 
Hey, look, I something's telling me we're gonna get back to that uh, that college and HBCUs in general. You better look out for that. Bitcoin, you ready for something like that? Man, I am so ready, bro. Okay, all right, we're gonna get. I'm to loaded. It. We're gonna get. Okay, I don't no, know what that we're means, loaded. but we're, we're gonna get back to that. <laughs> uh, but I want to know a little bit more about your travel. So after Memphis, where did you go? What did you do? Yeah, so I worked um, in Washington State um, for nine years, and then I moved to Mississippi. After Mississippi, I'm, I lived in North Georgia and Blue Ridge, Georgia. And then I went to the western plains of Nebraska, from Nebraska to southern Oregon, Oregon to Boston, and Boston now in, in Gatlin, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Okay. And are you a convicted felon? or did they, Why are you moving so <laughs> <I> much? <guess. laughs> no. And, 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 and why are you talking so gently, man? <laughs> All that travel done got you soft, man. Row weary. So my, my job is I'm the superintendent, which is kind of um, a clue to the title how I was introduced. I'm the superintendent for the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, which is the, the most visited national park in, in the country with 14.1 million people coming. And, and so I've had a, a very great career and uh, I couldn't think of a better stop than being where I am now. So when you say superintendent, like is it like a superintendent of a building or something? Like you, you're there for the maintenance, or is this some kind of like <laughs> nice, what? Nice. Well, I mean, no, like what? Well, it, it takes all types to run that park, okay. as you would oh, imagine. Oh, you run it. What's that? You run it. I, I am the superintendent. You're the uh, guy. The, I'm the I'm the guy. Okay. And on most days, that's good, but some days. <laughs> It could be different. So the Smokies is a half a million acres. Uh, it expands across eastern Tennessee and western North Carolina. Um, as I said before, we have 14.1 million people that come through it. It's the most visited. And do you know why it's the most visited? I was going to ask, why do you think it is? Well, take a guess. I would say um, climate. No, no, no. As the old saying goes, location, location, location. Okay. So the Great Smoky Mountains National Park is within an uh, eight-hour drive of half the United States population. Is that right? Yeah. So when you think about wanting to have a, a, a natural world experience uh, and you want to live in, you know, you live in an eastern, on the eastern seaboard, you can drive to the Smokies within eight hours. It, it takes me... Eight hours to drive from Gatlinburg to Memphis. That same eight hours can take me from Gatlinburg to Washington D.C. So, how do you even get on like the path for that? Like, I mean, you don't you don't see too many brothers in that field. Yeah, you know that's I mean? true. So, it's not a busload of us. Right. Um, but again, I um, I studied wildlife. Um, well, as I said, I went to UAPB, Arkansas Palm Bluff, and then I later studied wildlife and botany management at Oregon State University up in uh, Corvallis, Oregon. Corvallis, Oregon State, Beavers, right? That's correct. Yes, That's sir. Right. Don't, I like, don't say I like ducks, those man. Guys. You get hurt. <laughs> I like those guys. I was a big fan of Oregon State like back in the day. Okay. And, man, look, so you must see some of the most serene, beautiful places uh, that one can imagine. How, like, Do you find that work kind of, I don't know, I guess is is it – unbelievably peaceful you know what i mean because we see stress in our jobs right like uh, i'm i'm a project manager and right. and uh, just meetings galore putting out fires right a lot of stress you know uh qualm has, has managed uh quite a bit of places right. and of course he's always putting out fires and stuff like that and so you know when it comes to you like all I all I can think about is like you're just seeing the most beautiful things. Like you are working where people go to relax. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Right, right, right. How do you feel? Is is it just truly a blessing to wake up and be in the field every day? <laughs> it is, and um, it, it's a big honor. I am the first African American superintendent uh, of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Uh, the park was founded in 1934. The first. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, I'm number 16. Uh, of that line of legacy of superintendents. And again, it is an honor to be superintendent, period, but to be the first African-American uh, is is, a, is an extra honor to be. And my purpose, uh, again, is to make sure that, that folks that never thought they could see themselves in that uniform, that I hope that I symbolize what can be. And I started out having a, uh, an affinity for being in the outdoors, starting with Boy Scouts, Right. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, for people that are old enough, they remember that show Mutual Omaha Wild Kingdom, and we used to go to church. Kwame, you used to go to yeah, church every yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Come home, get out of there, get our tight suits. And the first thing I want, <laughs> Y'all the first thing that I want to do, <laughs> the first thing I want to do is I want to watch Mutual Omaha Wild Kingdom. 
And I found that that's the first show that tapped my imagination, mm. that one week I could be in the Serengeti, the next week I can be in the Everglades watching about. And so that tapped it, that's but crazy. there was one problem. I didn't see anyone like me doing that job. So again, that seemed a far gap of imagination versus reality. Dude, that's crazy. Like, I, you know, full disclosure, I mean, we're brothers, like I said. So I remember visiting you back in Oregon. And, you know, I remember when you were, like, pointing out plants. Like, you know, like, hey, you know don't what this is? <laughs> you know what this is? And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> He's like, well, I'll tell you what it is. He would tell me all about this stuff. And so, you know, going from that, you know, to being the first black superintendent of the largest national park in most the United visited, States. Most visited. I'm sorry. Yeah. The most visited yeah. national park uh, in the United States. Man, that's a hell of a career. What a ride. What a ride. Yeah. Hey, look. Well, I think you've been indoctrinated into the show enough now. You, oh, like I man. said, you've heard some stuff yeah, uh, I, on the show before. So uh, this portion, uh, we review nice bourbons okay wow. nice stuff that you can afford uh but certainly not rock good stuff okay we, we only do something <laughs> nice here so we got something on tap a little special a little different today i haven't had it so my fingers are crossed but it did come uh as a recommendation from spirits of timber creek and our friends there spirits uh, of timber creek yes sir you know you know they always got some good there uh david nicholson reserve uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon uh, is what we're having. So uh, I'm going to talk about the stats uh, a little bit on this one after we taste. So you guys are all poured up. We're, we're good. We all poured up. Okay. Is that all I get? <laughs> well, Bruh. to start, yeah. Huh? To start. Oh. Yeah, we don't want you hammered. We got to get some work out of you. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Okay. You've been taking a break a little yeah, bit. Uh, there. No, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So let's let's go ahead and do it. Uh, this, yeah. uh, to uh, the, what are we toasting to on this? To the brothers. To the brothers. brothers. Okay, I like that. I like that. Let's do it. I'm excited to to hear what's gonna happen with this. Um, let's go with Big Quan first because uh, he ain't got a lot of work in yet. So, Big Quan. So the first first thing I I tasted was like a caramel. That first note was like a caramel note to me. Uh, it is. Uh, I I wouldn't say like. Uh, Super smooth. It's not. It's not rough, but I mean, it, you you definitely know it's 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 on the palate. It's a little little peppery. Um, but that first note that that the one that impresses me, like right off top, is the is a nice deep caramel. I like it. I like it. You like it. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. For one sure. Or two. Two thumbs up, okay. Man. Two right. thumbs up, bro. Cash, what do we think? Yeah, and so. a hard on. Shit. Oh my god! Whoa! <laughs> Sponsored by Pornhub. <laughs> Rock wow. hard. Caramel to uh, uh, man, I'm breaking me in hard today. So uh, <laughs> wait, can we? Is that another word? <laughs> can we get a pause on this? <laughs> so guy. back to the liquor. Oh damn, we we stopped. <laughs> so uh, I, I agree with Big Quam, uh with the caramel taste, a little peppery. Uh, what I picked up is a almost a, a rye uh, okay. feel on on the back side of it. So that gives it like a little punch on the back end. Uh, if you've tasted rye, I, see, I'm not familiar. I don't I don't know rye. I, I don't rye liquors, yeah, they it have can. a little punch on the back. So it that's. Does. And it can also make or break a liquor depending on what kind of how much in the mash bill you want to go. But go ahead, cash. absolutely. And I think uh, good segue. I think it makes this one. But as far as the taste and familiarity, that's what this uh, this brand reminds me of is a smooth finish, a smooth beginning, but then on the backside like a rye, which has a, well, a, let me, a punch. You know what? I don't quite <laughs> believe what you say. Let me see that. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna just. Oh yeah. Is, well, you know they can hear that. This is—they uh, <laughs> they should. Um, so while you while you get your second uh, <laughs> taste of that, look, 
I must say this. We used to do a thing on an old show um, across the bar where we would say, you know, certified stamped or not. I'm just going to go ahead and lead in certified stamped. This one, this one, man, I'm, I don't know about the caramel, but I do know that there is some very smooth flavor uh, that hits immediately. Mm-hmm. And then you get that pepper on the back end. I do agree with mm-hmm. you there. Mm-hmm. And uh, afterward, it's so light. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it still it, remains right. light. Yeah, it's yeah. like a little sting at the end. Yeah. Let you know I'm here. And I'm gonna tell you about this sting. It comes because it's a fifty uh, percent alcohol uh, by volume there, mm-hmm. so it's a hundred proof. And so that's that that pepper that sting punch. that you're yeah. getting at yeah. the end. That's that, that punch, like, right? That's that punch. But you, but. It's still smooth. I mean, this, yeah. this is probably one of the, the smoothest stuff. Like, hey, listen, you guys had wild turkey. D- does this taste like that? No. <laughs> right? Like, no. Man, it does I, I, not I taste like that. It doesn't taste I, like that. And, and that's 101. And this is, you know, it's 100. But, I mean, it, you know, it's much more smooth. Uh, this is the reserve uh, edition. There's another edition, too. But... Uh, we're trying this one out today. I'm going to go ahead and say certified stamped on this one. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to join you in this second pour. I hope you join us too, Cassius. What uh, are we talking about? How much, man, how much light am my wallet getting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you asked that. So I want I want to get your opinion. What's the MSRP on this? I'm, I'm, I'm going $49.99. $49.99? What do you say, Cassius? Yeah, I would I would say that's, that's a decent uh, $50 bottle, basically a $50 bottle. Uh, but I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if it was forty because you said if you know a lot of people are not dropping off fifties but I think 29. definitely twenty nine ninety wow. what wow. yes yes okay oh man yes. that's and bro. and this was apparently a diamond in a rough like uh, at the store it's kind of like hey man, man load up before the yeah, word like, get out they don't really understand the product that they have here. it's yeah. not price yeah, I correct I can't put this on the plane. <laughs> hey, but we'll get it to you. I mean, like you know, we'll 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 get it to you some kind of way. Um, but yeah, man, this Stamp is uh, this is absolutely good stuff. So I'm glad we got the taste out of the way. So now we can do some drinking on this episode. Yeah. All right. Yeah, man. Okay, man, you are good. I'm sure. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> I you took care of Thank yourself you, on this. Okay. Appreciate you, man. All right, so. Uh, now that we're all poured up, we've all right. uh, done the bourbon review. Yes. Uh, something kind of stuck with me about Cash's story here. Uh, he mentioned that he went to University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. I think that qualifies as an HBCU. Um, and a, I think, a HBCU You, you want to say what that is? Yes, historically black college in this case, or university. Uh, Actually, which would be the part. Oh, okay. Right. Well, I guess it's University, University right. of Arkansas. Yeah, right. So, uh, I, this thing was supposed to start as a conversation with um, HBCU versus, um, what would you call this? PWIs? Let's say flagship university. Uh, yeah, like right. Well, let's, you know, <laughs> look. Yeah. Let me rewind sure. back just a little bit because this – this topic kind of been brewing, you know, for months between us. Yes, yeah, yeah, because uh, I think it just kind of came up in a phone conversation we were having. It did, and you made what I consider one of the most preposterous a shot across the bow. Uh, like. not an accusation, but preposterous, preposterous <laughs> ideals. It's <Cut them> <laughs> good. That, Bourbon's good. (laughs) (laughs) That I that I that I had ever heard uttered by a man. Uh huh. You and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what your assertion was was that you had an equivalent experience at a predominantly white university because though it was predominantly white, there were a lot of black people who attended the school by number. Okay. Now am I right? Well okay. No, you're not right. Okay. Okay. Um I, I did no, you're you you're incorrect. Okay. Clear the record. Yeah. For the record, 
I said a superior experience. Shit. Uh, so we went from preposterous <laughs> to delusional. A superior experience. I, I, I want to make sure you understand that. Because, okay. listen, there's really no other option. I don't have to go to an HBCU to, to you know, gauge between the two. I don't have to do a comparison shopping. Uh, it, it's it's easy. It, it's easy. It's just it's a numbers game. Okay. At a PWI, you get a full experience of what real life is like. Uh, real life, okay? Not just uh, not just uh, this kind of, um, God, I had to use that word, so I'm not going to use that word, but the, the appropriate word would be a ghetto of people. <laughs> but that, j- just because it's it's a segregation of certain people, you know, and that's, by definition, you know this, by definition it would be considered that, but I'm not going to use that. So let's let's just say Man. an alcove of, of the uh, similar people. Um, that's not how life is. You're not going to immerse yourself. Very rarely do you get a chance to immerse yourself inside of one particular culture. It's just not how life works. So I I would argue that anyone who goes to a PWI is more and finishes uh, is more prepared than one who goes to an HBCU. You guys had to learn uh, on the fly, in my opinion. You had to kind of learn this game of life on the fly. I was born into it. I was I was molded by it in college. You know what I mean? Like, I came out ready, ready-made. You guys had to find your way because you had to deal with things that you didn't have – that, that uh, you didn't get a chance to deal, to deal with uh, while you were at this place where there were people just like you everywhere everywhere you know what i mean so that's my argument i had the you, superior experience you want to get them or you, well, let me shit. let me just <clears throat> okay you know i always and, and you you pick it up from there but yeah. i um leave me something yeah i know I, I thought about this one <laughs> before you tear them to pieces I, I, I thought about this long today and um what i thought about is going back to imagine you in 1863 and you're a 17 year old black man that wants to learn about more of your surroundings, but you're denied that because just the color of your skin. And I talk to folks a lot about their purpose and their why, which leads to your how and what you do. So when you look at what HBCU stands for, it's a symbolism of not only excellence, it's a symbolism of hope, it's a symbolism of nurturing, it's a symbol of, it's it's a platform of learning amongst people that look like you while learning about you, about the world that you're going to be entering into. So when I left HBCU... I'm sorry, can you say that last? Because I I want to make sure that I got that right. I want to make sure I heard that right. So learning amongst people that looks like you while learning about you and also learning about the world that awaits for you. Okay. Got it. All right. So that's what a HBCU and what a HBCU offers. And so you, you didn't have to go to school, but today is your lucky day because, as I mentioned, I went to HBCU and a Pac-12 school. Got so it. I can draw a stark contrast of what you what you missed. on mm. that. So what a black school offers is a sense of inclusiveness. The things that all workforces want now, diversity and equity and inclusiveness. So when I went to HBCU, I felt like I belonged. That's not a given. Now, when you went to, um, can I say your school? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, University, absolutely. Of Ten- University of Tennessee. University of Tennessee, Knoxville, baby. When you went there, <laughs> and if you didn't have a family member to go there and you were starting from ground zero, uh-huh. how, would that, how would you have felt getting into this big SEC school by yourself? Okay. You're asking me if I went there, but I had nobody before me? Did, did you have a sense of belonging? Because because having a sense of belonging opens up an environment to allowing you much quicker to be your best you in a learning institution. Where, whereas if you feel like you don't belong there, or, yeah, I'll leave it at that. If you feel like you don't belong there, that is um, an environment, yes, that is real to what we live in but i would question you and saying is that an environment you sh- you want to have at such a young age 
Right. And that's where I I kind of come in on 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 the situation because I mean, I I did my undergrad at a predominantly white. I I, I did my undergrad and graduate work at uh, predominantly white uh, universities. And um, the nurturing piece to me is is where the fork in the road is between HBCUs and predominantly white uh, institutions. And, and I'll tell you my personal story uh, as an example. So when I, I I've always been um, uh, scientifically inclined and coming out of high school, all I thought I wanted to do was be an aeronautical engineer. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you knew that. Either I, of you I do. knew that. I remember. So I wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. And so in high school, bro, I was, when it came time to take science and pick a science as an elective, I was in physics. I did physics one, physics two, and I, I wouldn't call myself a gifted physics uh, student, but I was good. And so when I left high school and went to this predominantly white school, Austin P. State University up in Clarksville, uh, I immediately declared my major. I was a physics major. And when I got to campus, bro, it's a small school, smaller than it is now. And so the physics department was probably about five students. I mean, it's not, it's, it's, right. it's a tough road, you know? So it was only like five physics majors in the university. So, man, I get on campus, and the first day I find the chair of the physics department, and I go up, Dr. Carpenter, I never forget his name. I go up to him, I stick my hand out, I say, hey, I'm Kwame Cash, I'm the new physics major. His response to me was, hmm, that's interesting. Most minorities don't do well in the hard sciences. Whoa. That is his opening shot. Yes. Bro, I never got better than a D on on quizzes, tests. And I'm talking about physics 101 in college, bro, is like, you're calculating vectors. I mean, like, stuff I was doing in high school. And he quibbled with my work, how I got to, even though the answer would be right, but the way I learned it wasn't the way he wanted to see it worked out. Mm. And so, bro. It's like Eureka Math right now. It's huh? like that stupid-ass Eureka Math right now with the kids. You know, <laughs> That's how he felt about, you know, my work. Like, you know, this is bullshit. Anyway, halfway through the semester, man, I'm think I'm realizing this man is about to get me flunked out of school, bro. So I I changed my I I had these political science classes as electives as a physics major. So I was like, well, shit, I might as well just flip to a political science major. And drop this physics stuff. And, bro, I don't know that I would have ever been a successful aeronautical engineer. But the point is that you are still in a nurturing phase. as And to be a 17 or 18-year-old young person confronted by a authority figure who who off top tells you you know you're not likely to do well because you're a minority is not the kind of environment that's ideal for you to use your words caches realizing your best self i'll tell you this last thing and i'll be through with this point years later i told this story to a uh a sister who was uh, who had gone to like Texas Southern, I think, who, who's like responsible for more black engineers 
in the country than anywhere. And she said, you did it wrong. She said, what you should have done is never declared you're a major. You should have just taken basic physics class like it was an elective. You should have done your core physics courses in summer school when the chair is most likely away on vacation or whatever, and you could have navigated that degree in that environment, but you you told them you were coming. Right. So it's that example kind of that nurturing, that helping to navigate the way of the world. I think if I had a not done it the way I did it, I don't know if I would have been successful at Oregon State for that very reason. It's because the approach that the teachers have at HBCUs understand the foundation of what they symbolize, of nurturing it, inclusiveness, um, making sure that your best becomes your best and what you want to do. So it's, it's examples. And, and I would tell you, when I went to Oregon State, I felt very alone. Um, you know, I remember back in college, man, when we say HBCU, you know, everybody would get together to say, hey, I want, if you share some of your notes, I'll share some of mine because we all want to pass this class. It was nothing like that. Mm. Uh, it was about who's the best of the best. Now, to your point, Jermaine, that is what the real world is about. But at, what point, at what point are you prepared to understand the way of the work because you can make some mistakes without having that foundation because like in anything in life there are storms that come and go but if your foundation is solid you'll be able to withstand it and, and have a, a level of resiliency which we've all have had to have in our respective professions and that implicit bias that Kwame talked about with the the, the physics mm -hmm. is the same implicit bias actually that we see with how some People view, uh, let's take my profession, people of color understanding or wanting to have a relationship with the natural world. It's hard to find African-Americans that want to be wildlife biologists. No, it's not. Go to Grambling State University. They have a wildlife program there. It's hard to find African-American engineers. No, it's not. Go to Southern University down in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So until you have a commitment to understanding the strength that comes with diversifying your workforce. Um, and, and, and we're talking about the, the academic piece, but then HBCUs have their own swagger in their culture that comes with school days, uh, drumline that people are now mm -hmm. all of a sudden mm -hmm. discovering, mm -hmm. which we've already, we always knew about that, right? But now mm -hmm. it's, 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 uh, it's into Hollywood mainstream now. Yep, uh, starting to get into a little, a little <laughs> tangent that I want to touch on. So okay, I tell you what, right. before we get in there, let's go ahead and uh, run out a thirty-second spot for um, uh, Memphis Tire Recyclers, and we'll come back. We'll discuss that. All right, because uh, I'm ready to hear about some of these pros and cons that uh, you were starting to touch on. Okay? okay, all right. All right, hey, let's hit the break. Kilo, is your neighborhood filled with blight and criminal littering due to tire dumping? Call Memphis Tire Recyclers to find out how to rid your neighborhood of this unwanted scourge. Memphis Tire Recyclers is a proud sponsor of the Spirited Network podcast and a champion advocate for keeping Memphis beautiful. That's Memphis Tire Recyclers. Call them for information on how they can serve a proud Memphian like you. Visit the website for more details. Memphis Tire Recyclers, proudly serving greater Memphis and beyond. Yeah, hey, you guys hear that? Man, you're very not, important stuff right there. Nikwam, you're not the only one that's back. Our sponsor's back, too. Hey, okay. man, happy to have you back, Shout bro. out to Convict, huh? Hey, Convict, come clean this city up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> bro, it's ties everywhere bro. around here, man. <laughs> man, hey, look, um, one thing before we get back into this, I just got a notice on my phone, and it made me think of something. I Dude, have y'all ever heard of uh, this uh, radio show called uh, the Sweat, Sweat Hotel? Is it, have you heard of that? Are you kidding me? I no, Keith Sweat. Oh my God, you, you haven't heard, heard of it, King? Oh, you ain't heard the Sweat, bro? You okay? Well, you yeah. obviously know who Keith Sweat is. Right? Oh yeah, yeah I okay. know who Keith Sweat Dude, is. Dude, it is. Pure comedy. I love it. Listen, <laughs> now this dude, <laughs> this dude gets on there, and it's it's so absurd. Like Kwame said, 
It's so absurd. It's it's the most absurd assertion that anybody's ever made. Like this dude, this dude gets on there like, "Hey, what's up, baby? Uh, <laughs> let me ask you a question. You ever cheat on your husband?" <laughs> but and he and these <laughs> girls get all <laughs> giddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Type. Oh, now, sweetheart, why you do that? <laughs> That's it. Hey, hey, look. He wasn't really giving me the kind of attention that I was, I was looking for. Is this a song or what? Dude, it's, no, dude, dude, it's, it's a call-in. It's a like, call-in a syndicated call-in show. Oh, no, he, like, I haven't heard it. No, oh, and he God, throws dude. out like the most ridiculous, crazy question. <laughs> hey, baby, who you want to apologize tonight? I just want to say, <laughs> um, I just want to say to, to uh, Pop, uh, <laughs> That's that's on lockdown right now. I'm so sorry. He is not I, I didn't lying. mean I didn't mean to let them folk know where you was. Hey, and, Bro, and, and, it'd be and stupid he, like that. And his answer is always that's <laughs> crazy. Hey, look, let's lay this up. <laughs> lo- and then they be like, I love you, Keith. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you crazy. <laughs> I love you too. No, I can't. <laughs> yeah, he does do that. <laughs> what he's like, I love you too. <laughs> It does not get better it's than it. horrible. No. Man. It is awfully dude. entertaining. No. Like, dude, it is crazy. Yeah. I've been on that. Like that, that that's been my summer. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh. if you ever wanted to know what the hell I was doing, uh, uh. other than coming up with ideas for the show, I've been listening to the Sweat Hotel. Can I tell you what I just did? Oh yeah. It this this it happened to happen just a couple of days ago. Uh-huh. Bro, I had a tooth pull. Oh my god. <laughs> It was, <laughs> it was horrible, son. Okay. I, <laughs> the pain? Everything. Uh, let me, let me, the, the pain was, I no, oddly enough, it wasn't the pain. Dude, I had a tooth. It was just bad. It was a bad tooth, man. A- I had, like, multiple, like, infections, abscesses. Oh. I had split the tooth, man, and they put a crown on it, wanted to, like, stop the split. I didn't think it would work. By the way, man, like, you know, when your teeth get bad, man, Dennis be, like, suggesting all this stuff, man, to do. Bro, almost it, almost always it doesn't work. Anyway, I went along with the crown and the tooth. She got an extra $1,200 out of me, man, but the tooth yeah. kept getting, like, infected and... So I finally was like, man, forget this. I'm getting it pulled, bro. So, man, she went in, bro, drilling. Oh, my God. Were you awake? I was awake, man. But by this time, bro, the tooth had been so much trouble. I was like, damn right. Get Drill that bitch out. (laughs) Drill, baby, drill. You went full sale paper? I was drill, baby, drill. (laughs) So, man, look. She get in there with the forceps, man. And, bro, like, she... Yanking, I'm feeling my jaw like feel like my jaw is shifting. She putting so much leverage. Yeah, pause that. She got the forceps, <laughs> bro, and she came out, man. And I'm laying back, and I saw her pull the tooth root out, and bro, like what followed. Like as soon as I saw the tooth, bro, I I thought in my head, like, damn, did somebody just shit in my mouth? Oh my god, bro. <laughs> I said, I don't know I, where this is going. Dude, I said in the chat, I, 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 I know I'm a newbie, but I'm, I'm going to ride with you, though. But this I, is, look, I said, my God, that's horrible. The de- the, Yo shit. I said that shit. The dentist was like, yeah, you had uh, an infection, and yes, it does smell bad. I was like, bro, bro, the room was lit, son. Oh, my God. Bro, uh, yo, Bro. So, yeah, that was my song. I, I gotta man. say, I, I'm impressed with that level of transparency. Bro, I don't know, I, hey man, I don't know look, if man, I could have pulled that one off the, mic, on my man. first show. <laughs> Bro, it, it was hard. But look, I never had bad breath. I never had. I've, I've never had. No one had has told you morning breath. Okay. No, for real. <laughs> And why the hell you don't have no morning breath, bro? I do not have morning breath. How? I don't know. Your how. mouth is closed, bro. I do not have. What I'm saying, like stinky morning breath. I don't have. Stinky Your shit just come out. You don't even brush. Yeah, bro. I, I brew. I do brush. Well, it's a waste of time. I mean, if you don't have morning breath, I mean, you could be doing something else. So yo, my, so 
you brush your teeth because you you wake up with shit smells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a big part factor. of it. It's a big factor. Bro, <laughs> you, you, yeah. No, I just, I just. So you you are you are like the the movie uh, person who like rolls over and wakes up just yeah. kiss them right, all in right. the mouth. I, like, been, God, damn, I can do that. Stuff. I can do that. Yeah, you don't know. Okay, it, right. You don't know. <laughs> I'm just very glad to hear a little bit about the summer and <laughs> what we've been up to. I've been checking out the Sweat Hotel. Corman's been pulling out uh, shitty teeth. Just vile shit. And vile I can taste teeth. it too, by the way. Oh, my it was God. <laughs> okay, yeah, please. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Trying to keep an audience. Uh, but yeah, man, that and uh, Wendy Williams show. Have you guys seen the Wendy Williams show? Yeah, before Since yes. he's been off of it? No. Oh, bro. It, I mean, it, it's it's just a straight. It's like commercials, like a commercial hour with Wendy Williams in it. <laughs> dude, I'm, dude, the segments are so damn quick. It'll be like a four-minute commercial break for every damn thing, like five different brands of tampons, and then like, and then they'll cut back to the show, and then be like, "Hey, who wants to who you know who wants to ask a question and win a free balloon?" And you know what I'm saying? Somebody answered the question. Like, good job. All right, let's go to break. Where's the show? Bro, it, it's awful. It is. It is awful. I can't believe it's still a show. Anyway, I'm fascinated by that. But don't have too much more time to go into it because we got some more HBCU stuff to uh, talk about. Hey, look, we left off talking about some bands and uh, all these things that HBCUs are known for. Uh, so let's jump into some questions I have. Like, obviously we know... Uh, music is really tied to HBCUs. Uh, probably even, uh, I would say, I, I, maybe a little too much. Maybe it's a little heightened, uh, a little too much. We, we're not focusing on some other things. What are some other pros that we should be looking at in HBCUs other than bands and music? I mean, uh, let, let's let's back up because sure. one thing that I didn't share with you or mm-hmm. with, with your audience is that mm-hmm. I was in the band too. Um, played trumpet for 15 years. And so when you say music was overhyped, you got to understand that's a universal language. And to be able to be somewhat good at that takes a level of discipline. When we go represent our university, there's a level of pride. And so what, no different than football, there is a sense of camaraderie, teamwork. The things that we need in workforces today, mm-hmm. conflict resolution, all those things you work with through in the band, that's that foundation that I was mentioning to you about. It's been born, whether if it's at a, in the general classroom or if you're in the band or if you're in a fraternity, all those things are contributing factors to making you a well-rounded, resilient individual entering, entering into the workforce. So yes, we play um, music of today, but we also played a lot of Mozart. So I know that Hollywood only shows the, yeah. the dancing and all those things, but I play a lot of jazz. I play a lot of Mozart. We understood and appreciated music in all of its form on that. So, um, and HBCUs opened that gateway for me on that. In fact, you you know, after in the fifth quarter, man, like the, the you know the the bands when they're going they're back battling. and forth testing each other, man, they make a point to like play, you know, yeah. a a a a classical, a, a, classical or a very piece? technically yeah. sound piece of music. Hit them with the flight of the bumblebee. Exactly, <laughs> and, and or or even. Earth, Wind, and Fire horn section, right? I mean, it's it's, it's R and B, but that horn section. Yeah, that's not. Come on, man. Are you kidding? Bro, no, do bro, you know how you, you stopped it? God damn it! That it's, that song is not old. Like, I mean, you, you you're talking about classical. Wait, 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 wait. Are you talking about classical? Are we lining up Mozart with Earth, Wind, and Fire? Is that what? No, we're doing? no, that's not what I said. I said okay. we played a whole, uh, uh, many of genre of, of types okay, of music. All right. So sure we play from Mozart. Classical, jazz, and but, then we even played technically difficult songs that were even R&B songs that we hear on the radio, like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, man, those guys are serious musicians, bro. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I was saying like he. it sounded like he was lining up Mozart with Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm just, I just didn't. I mean, there's, there's no correlation. I mean, I mean it's, that, there's no correlation other than they're, they're... I don't know why you say that. Bro. I mean, bro... It, 
the licks you hear a earth, wind, and fire section play or Ohio players right. or Tower Power. Those guys are playing yeah. harmonic. Music is scientific, whether you know it or not. I mean, like the the structures, you know, chord structures. You knowing what how to compose that and put that together and influence a person's mood and emotion and bro, that's it's it, tough. whether it's, it's tough. Earth, Wind, or Fire or Dolph. I mean, bro, <laughs> it, it's, it's, Lord, it's, oh my god. Man. I, I'm not, look, listen, I like these artists. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, we can't say Mozart bro, and then Dolph, bro. Like, stop white? it. What are we doing? Son. Oh, you, stop. So, you know what? And th- therein lies the core of the argument. You were never exposed, exposed to yeah. the... Because somehow it seems like you seem to think that the great music Mozart played took more talent to produce and make than the great music Earth, Wind, and Fire made. It, it's it, They're both genius. Where we're recording that right now, man, Mr. Porter, David Porter, it, he is a genius. Who the hell is he? <laughs> See, yeah, see, we we don't have Do enough time. Do we don't have enough is? time in the studio. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. See, you you you, uh, you, you look him up on your phone when you get him. Okay, Google sure. I'll I'll Google, scroll, Google I'll, yeah. <laughs> he, he really is a dude. You can Google me. I'll, I'll click on the last <laughs> me, bro. O and uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll click on the last O and I'll find something. And I, and I say this, and then we can move on to whatever else. Whenever you have the opportunity to go see another HBCU band play. I want you to notice what you don't see. You don't see them with their music with them. Mm. When you go to a PWI and you see their band, they have their light, their leers with the music. They can flip back. You don't see that. So, in addition to studying to be what we wanted to be, we had it was nothing for us to have to remember ten to twenty to thirty different songs in our head. So the amount of discipline, and if you didn't cut it. You didn't march, and that's all from memory. So when you talk about, again, the baseline, a commitment to excellence, whether well, it's music, just education, HBCUs stand for that. I'm going to tell you one other thing that I noticed before I graduated. That was this argument that HBCUs education was substandard, that it wasn't on par with major universities. I'm glad you're addressing that. Yeah, and I, I hope that you understand that when you look at movies that are highlighting the culture, whether it's fraternities or bands or leaders in our communities, like myself, that you know, as the first African-American superintendent or now our first female African-American vice president, HBCUs has a long lineage of producing leaders that are major, that provide major contributions to our science, math, just our overall society of, of today. Now, one last thing that I I, uh, I noticed before I graduated is in this argument, which I it started to make me think a little bit. Before I graduated, I started noticing that uh, our white community start attending night classes at HBCUs, but I wondered why they wouldn't come during the daytime. And I, and I, and I don't know the circumstances about that, but now if you go to University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, that's not the case anymore. I think over a period of time of being able to produce the leaders of today, the people now understand, which was something that we always understood, that our education requirements require just as much rigor as a predominantly white institution on that. And I think it's taken us a period of time to catch up to reset our mental model on how we view HBCUs. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I guess where I come down in the end, just to drill down or to circle back to your original point, man, I, 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 I think that the, the, 
the notion that you are somehow being prepared for real world scenarios at a predominantly white university um, and you're not being, which in turn implies that you're not having a similar um, developmental experience for the quote unquote real world at an HBCU is a false argument. It's a it's a straw man, in in my opinion. I think w- where y- y- one needs to uh, sort of uh, concentrate their attention is to the the proposition of whether or not your attendance at and at a university, any university, whether it be a HBCU or a predominantly white institution, is one that nurtures, supports, reinforces, and gives you an opportunity to be, you know what I mean, what your, you know, what your abilities allow, you know what I mean? And, and so for me, the question then becomes, where is that most likely to happen for a young black person? And I think in my opinion, in in my opinion, it seems to me that that is most likely to happen at an HBCU. Not to say that it can't happen at a predominantly white institution, but you know, a brother that walks onto a campus, man, with just, you know, with locked up, hairs dreaded up and 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 braids or cornrows, he might get a different reception at a, you know, in Ann Arbor than he does in Pine Bluff. I would agree. <laughs> you, you you feel me? You I so agree with that. so. I mean that that's that's where it goes to me for me now. So so, and, and I'm saying that, bro. Being a black person who who went to a predominantly white law school that I don't care where else in the country, black, white, Indian. I would have gone to, I wouldn't have made it through. That school supported me. That school nurtured me. That school saved me. Uh, And it was white faces that did it. So, you know, it's it's hard for me, you know, in the end, I guess I just say, where are your odds better um, as a black person? Now, my law school, where I went to law school, is not just known for just being like a super, you know, super supportive place for, for, for black folk. I was blessed that I crossed paths with people who were just of good genuine heart and kind spirit that saw a soul a person that needed help and they offered it to me and that's what happened for me you know what i mean and that was at a white school bro so i i I won't knock brothers that that took that route I just say, I just wonder how many, how many people have that first experience I had where I wanted to be an aeronautical engineer and that dream was snuffed out. You know, that's all, I mean, so. You know, that... I love I love the story. I do. Um, shit, kind of paints me in the corner. But <laughs> but <laughs> but I come out fighting, baby. Listen, uh, a while ago, 
uh, Cash has asked me, do I feel like I belonged at UT? Like, you know, did I ever get that sense that uh, I feel like I belong? Like, you uh, felt uh, like you belonged in an HBCU because of friendly faces and, and people that look like you in the, the same band, culture. You know, all those things were contributing factors, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, t- too many to name, right? Too many contributing factors to name. Uh, to that, I will say, man, I cannot even imagine a better home uh, than the University of Tennessee, the flagship university of the state, uh, to attend. And I am dead serious here. Okay. Let me tell you why. I like adversity. I think that it is true what they say, that adversity builds character, reveals it, uh, and more. Um, I like the hard way. You know what I mean? I like the hard way. Even, even if it seems impossible sometimes. Kwame, I love that story about that, that guy that told you that, uh, you know, minorities aren't going to do well in. The fix was in. You didn't have a chance. Or so you thought. You did. Uh, the, 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 the person that you said navigated you through that, or not even navigated you, just, armchair quarterbacked it or Monday morning quarterbacked it and say, you should have done it like this. Yeah, sure. You know, you could have done it like that. Or you could have just stayed in it. Uh, because that's really what life is, right? I mean, look, that's how that's how life works. You know what I mean? Like, dude, this is a European society no matter where you live on this earth. You know what I mean? You have to learn how to navigate that. And the more the, the quicker you learn that, the better off you'll be in the short term and it bleeds into the long term. Uh, when we talk about some of the, some of these nuances, let's talk about black populations and, um, and, uh, and both HBCUs and um, uh, PWIs. So one Can thing I just about say the, yeah. your last statement was naive. Go ahead. You, okay. can, you, you, you can go ahead with your... Thank you. Let's rest. practice self-control. <laughs> and what I would say is... <laughs> he's going to punch me. Uh, what I would say is, man, that I did a little research. Did a little research. Um, Austin P. Uh, just uh, had an enrollment of 1,900-plus... Black students or maybe students overall. I can't remember, but I think it was black students. Um, UAPB uh, had uh, less, maybe a little bit more. Um, And that's in HBCU, right? But what's the school population? When you say less than, I mean, when you look at the school population. Doesn't matter. No, but what? The percentage of people. Well, it doesn't matter. We're, we're, why, why we're, doesn't talk, it we're matter? talking about a certain segment of the community, so I want to make sure I get that in there. And so we're talking about the black community, the black population on these campuses. Um, and at Tennessee, the black enrollment was 3,900 people. Out of how uh, many? Black people. And so. How, how, to many, me, how many students go? How many students go? I mean, that. Uh, why, yeah. why is this relevant? Yeah, because, because it, percentages matter. Yeah, yeah. For, for what I, 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 I mean, not for my purposes. What would that matter for you? Oh, else? shit. <laughs> no, what, what did that matter for you? I mean, I'm curious. Well, because... The community is the community. Okay, no let's, let's see where at. he takes it, then we can come back and ask okay, that question yeah, again. So, he, he, so you asked if I belong. I would say 3,900. Yeah, I felt, I felt like I belonged. But if you're talking uh, about out of 100,000... If you're talking about out of 100,000, what was your... Now, I know, because you are my brother, that you pledged a black fraternity and mm-hmm. this thing. But if you didn't have that that connective tissue to organizations like that, what would you say would have been the occurrences that you would have had experiences with having overlap or interactions with people of color at the university, particularly uh, African American. I'm glad you said that. Now I did pledge, and I appreciate the cap outside. Shout out, yo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I did do that, but that was my junior year. I didn't just start meeting black people my junior year. Bro, you was you was a groupie until then. <laughs> you was a wannabe. Complete, completely. You, you was wearing 
a red and white jacket without the letters. I, you know what, bro? I, stop I, I lo- it. Stop it. Hey, hey. I love. I love stop where this it. is going. I the signals. Yeah. yeah. I love where this is going because let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you about just real quick about this story. I wanted to be on the family crest. I mean, I got two brothers that are sigmas, and I got a grandmother who's a zeta. I, I wanted to be blue, uh, but they sucked. Wait, and, and, this and, is and, Mr. Oh, I love let adversity. Me, me. This is Mr. <laughs> no, I love no, no, adversity. No, no, no. Let me, let me. I'm going to overcome uh, unless, even though I'm that, the underdog. Unless, wait, wait, wait. Unless. Say that, less. That, Say wait, less. Wait, 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 Go ahead, dog. Shut that shit down. Let me finish the point. Now, my quick pledging story is I saw the Sigmas wanted me to pledge without any credits. All right? I ain't had credits. That That's how bad... Off oh they were. They, 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 they wanted to take me out the merit of a name. I didn't even know if I was going to be there for more than one semester. And they wanted to put me on online or whatever they were doing. And, and you're signing the paper. Wait, 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 wait. And then, and then I was like, hey, you know, I'm not sure I could share the same stories that my brothers have with this kind of process that seems to be a little desperate. So I sat back. <laughs> I sat back, and then one day I saw my boy who was pledging Kappa. He came in one day. He was, man, he was disheveled. He was crying. He was a mess. He was wrecked. And I said, man, are you okay? He said, man, look, I've never been through anything like this. This hurts so bad. This hurts my soul, bro. Don't get nobody sued. Though. I'm dead serious. <laughs> I'm dead serious. He knows who he is. And, and bro, I looked at him, man. He yourself. was broken. He was broken, or at least near and I said, man, is it that bad? He said, bro, it's worse. I said, I got to do it. <laughs> I got to do it. Because because anything that could test my metal like that, I got to do it. It's me. Mm-hmm. It's me. Uh, <clears throat> so that goes back to my point about uh, UT. You know, that tests your metal. You know what I mean? Like when you're trying to – when you're trying to – uh, not necessarily assimilate, but when you're trying to learn and succeed in a culture that's not meant for you, not built for you, that's the kind of adversity that I've become accustomed to living and loving. I I I, I get off on it. I love Bro. it. I love it. I'm sorry. I do. It's okay. me. It's me. Yeah. So I want to make sure that you are clear and understanding that you that you understand that you don't have adversity at HBCUs. That it could be the furthest thing from the truth because even though we had an inclusive work, uh, inclusive school environment, they challenged us because they know what we're going to be up against when we talk about being in the general world. They prepared us. To me, the student, the teachers, the professors, PhDs, picked up where our parents left us left off when it came to preparing you for understanding the importance, the discipline of education and understanding. Now tell me if you haven't heard this, son, when you do something, you have to be twice as good. That's right. Yes, that's right. right. So that's where students, I mean, teachers or professors at black colleges seem to me to be very seamless to picking up where my parents left off about how to navigate That's right. into the to the general uh, the general world, and the teachings are one thing, but testing it and pushing us with adversity is the other part of the equation in preparing us for it. So I don't want to make you seem like, or I want I don't want to inadvertently feed into that that narrative that um, it's easier or that the education is substandard because they pushed us because they were a message feeding into their future. And they had, they've been there. They've been there they and they were our many crystal balls to this is what you're going to face. Charles Hamilton, just real quick, Charles Hamilton Houston was Thurgood Marshall's professor at Howard law school. Charles Hamilton uh, Charles, help, man, if I'm saying his name, I, I don't think I'm saying it. Charles Hamilton Houston or Charles Houston. You're right. He, Charles Hamilton Houston, I think he was a Harvard grad. Right. One of the first black Harvard Law School grads. Came back 
Thurgood Marshall was his student at Howard University School of Law, which is HBCU. Let's make sure. Of course. Oh, okay. oh, I'm sorry. Uh, if yeah, you we don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. My fault. Yeah. Kind of which, the topic. Uh, <laughs> kind of <what>? relevant. <laughs> which is yeah, which is an HBCU, and we all know, you know, the rest is history. The, yeah, the rest is history, as they say. And so, if you read about Charles Hamilton in Houston and 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 if you talk if you, if you read or you, you know you hear accounts of Thurgood talking about his legal training bro it was to say you know rigorous is probably you know an understatement this this brother was haste you know what i mean you are talking about deconstructing you know what i mean Jim Crow, <laughs> you know, and so it, I, I, I I say that only to say that um, it, if you are a brother who happens to attend and and and, and be a, a brother like you, Jermaine, went and prepared yourself for the real world by being forged in the fire, then you have to be the one that goes back to, you know what I mean, the cats that didn't take that route. And you got to be the dude that don't see the guy with the dreadlocks and say, get the hell out of here. Uh -huh. You, Hey, brother, let me pull you to the side. And you pour into him. You I know. wanted I wanted to hey look, you're right. You're right. And I wanna to touch on something Cash said to support that. He said that they were taught, you know, like uh in HBCU how to deal with that, right? They were prepared through teachings. Yeah. And, you know, you said pay it forward for me since I went there. Um I have the experience. Hey Kwame, Cassius, look at me. I am the teacher now. Hey, that's going to do it for us. <laughs> Work podcast. Episode one, we relaunched, baby. Big Quam back in the building. Big Quam. We got Supercast up in there. You, you with that bullshit, hey, I look, see. Tune in. Tune in. We got for real. Yeah, we got some crazy shit on the way. It's hey, look, hot it's in It's going to be nice. Yo, let's get out of here. Yeah.